Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is William J. Federer, a nationally known speaker and best-selling author of over 20 books, highlighting America's heritage. His America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations has sold over a half million copies. Some of his other popular titles are What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran, A History of Islam and the United States, George Washington Carver, His Life and Faith in His Words, The Ten Commandments and Their Influence on American Law, Treasury of Presidential Quotations, Endangered Speeches, How the ACLU, IRS, and LBJ Threaten Extinction of Free Speech, American Minute, Events of American Significance Remembered on the Date They Occurred, and Who is the King in America? An Overview of 6,000 Years of History and Why America is Unique. He is also the creator of Islamic Conquest, Past and Present, a very captivating five-part DVD series on political Islam's 1,400-year war with the West. Bill's Faith in History TV program airs daily on DirecTV via the TCT network. His American Minute radio feature is broadcast over 100 stations and read by thousands daily via the Internet. A former U.S. congressional candidate, Bill has appeared on C-SPAN, Fox, CBN, SBN, The Blaze, NPR, Focus on the Family, Salem Radio Network, Bot Radio Network, and American Family Radio. He has been quoted or referenced in USA Today, Human Events, New York Times, Washington Times, Washington Post, WorldNetDaily.com, and The Daily Caller. Bill is the recipient of two honorary doctorates. He and his wife, Susan, live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. As if all of this weren't enough, please be sure to inform your friends that Bill Federal will be in our area for the Union Towns Tea Party meeting on October 24th at 7 p.m. at the Upstairs Community Room located at Butternut Golf Course in Blairsville. Bill would be speaking about issues concerning Islam, the Koran, and Islam's 1,400-year war with Western civilization. Bill Federer, it is indeed my honor and privilege to welcome you to Freedom Forum Radio. 
It's great to be with you, Dr. Dan. Bill, I want to begin our discussion with a quote from George Orwell's 1984. And here is the quote. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Over the course of human history, there have been many prophets, some true and some false. In his book, 1984, which is probably George Orwell's most famous novel, George Orwell has become a true prophet for our times. It is with both sadness and fear that I realize how truly accurate and perceptive George Orwell truly was. Right now, our nation is on the verge of anarchy and potentially a descent into tyranny from which recovery may not be possible. Bill Federer, let's discuss how did this all happen? Well, it's a great um, uh, train of thought that we look at in history, and it's a communist tactic called deconstruction, where you separate a people from their past, get them into a neutral where they do not remember where they came from, and then you can brainwash them into the future you have planned for them. And uh, this is repeated throughout history. Um, even back in the third century BC, uh, you had a uh, the first emperor of China was Qing Shi Hunangdi. I know I'm not pronouncing that exactly correct. Anyway, uh, he was upset at the people of China comparing him to past emperors. And uh, he wanted to be free to do whatever he wanted. And so uh, he rep- had his chancellor, uh, Li Si, um, write this. I, your servant, propose that all historians' records, other than those of Quinn's, be burned. If anyone under heaven has copies of the classics of history, the Shun Jin, they shall deliver them to the governor for burning. Anyone who dares discuss the classics of history shall be publicly executed. Anyone who uses history to criticize the present shall have his family executed. Anyone who has failed to burn the books after 30 days of this announcement shall be subject, subjected to tattooing and sent to build a great wall. <laughs> and, um, and so we see the same thing that uh, Hitler did in 1933 in Germany. He burned all the books by Jewish authors, including Einstein. Uh, this was sort of prophetically uh, anticipated or, or uh, foretold uh, Heinrich Heine, H-E-I-N-E, uh, had penned that way back in 1822. Where they burn books, they will, in the end, burn human beings too. And so this idea of destroying the past is uh, an agenda. It's uh, a tactic that um, is used by the Muslims. So when Muslims come into countries, what do they do? They destroy the history. They destroy artworks, museums, and libraries. It goes all the way back to Muhammad who said, leave no high grave standing nor a work of art without obliterating it. And so the most famous example is when Khalif Umar 
conquered Egypt, and the largest and oldest library in the world was in Cairo. And his warriors went to Caliph Umar and said, what do we do with these books? And his response was, every book that does not agree with the Quran, destroy. And every book that does agree with the Quran is redundant, because we have the Quran, so destroy them all. Supposedly it took six months to burn them all. And uh, so again, you have to separate the people from the history, sort of a a drive-neutral-reverse process. And uh, it's uh, if I was a toothpaste salesman, the first thing I would do is say negative things about the um, toothpaste that you are currently using. You're still using that old stuff. It'll eat the enamel off your teeth. Ooh, you're repulsed by it. Now I got you into a neutral. You're sort of open-minded. What are all the beliefs, uh, toothpaste out there nowadays? And then I can give you my pitch for the tartar-controlled breast freshener stuff. And so it's a, uh, you criticize the past enough till people are emotionally repulsed by it, then you get them into a neutral where they're open-minded, and then you can give them your pitch for the new. And so what they do is they go into the classrooms, and they have docudramas and television shows, and they uh, deride and malign and belittle uh, derogatorily the founders of a country. And so the people are repulsed by them. Then you get to the the students into a neutral where they're sort of open-minded. What are all the belief systems out there nowadays? And then you give them your push push for socialism or LGBT or Islam or whatever. And so it's an, a, a technique that's used. Um, we see that when the French Revolution took place in France, what did they do? They destroyed historical monuments. They destroyed statues. They dug up the grave of uh, Henry the Fourth, and who was this uh, called the Good King Henry, and they trashed Saint Genevieve. I mean, here she was in 451 A.D., and Attila the Hun, with an army of a half a million people, was destroying cities all across Europe. And Attila is headed toward Paris, and Saint Genevieve, this young woman, gets all of Paris to fast and pray. And they pray, and for some reason, Attila skips destroying Paris. And uh, so she was considered the quote-unquote patron saint of Paris. Well, during the French Revolution, what did they do? They dug up and trashed the grave of St. Genevieve. They turned churches into temples of reason. Robespierre put a prostitute in Notre Dame Cathedral, covered her with a sheet, and said, this is the goddess of reason. Let's worship her. So they turned these big cathedrals into temples of reason. And they uh, didn't want to have anything that would uh, hint of a Judeo-Christian past. And so they uh, decided that uh, they didn't want a a Sabbath rest, a seven-day week uh, with a Sabbath rest, because that goes back to the Bible. God created the world in six days, and the seventh day he rested. And so what did they do in France? They came up with a 10-day week. It's called a decade week. And uh, 10 was the number of man, 10 fingers and 10 toes. And so they made everything divisible by 10. So they had 10 hours in a day. And each hour had 100 minutes. Each minute had 100 seconds. Um, And so they wanted to uh, not have, like our U.S. Constitution, done in the year of the Lord. So they made 1792, the new year one. It was an intentional effort to destroy and cut ties with the Judeo-Christian past. And so then Napoleon spreads this French secularism all around Europe, and all of Europe cuts ties with this Judeo-Christian past. And they survived for a a 
several generations, right, a century or two, and then what happened? They have this tolerance that at first it's nice, but then they tolerate Islam. These Muslim immigrants are coming in and taking over and having you know, multiple wives and having multiple children by all the wives, and the wives go down to the welfare office and sign up. And so the government is paying these uh, immigrants to come in and depo- and overpopulate them. And, um, and so we see Europe has gone through this, uh, this progression of drive, neutral, reverse, of separating from the Judeo-Christian past, getting into a secular free sect, anything goes neutral, and now Europe is entering an Islamic future. So, so there's, it's important to, to cut ties with the past in order to implement an agenda that is socialistic or communistic. When Lenin took over in the Soviet, in, you know, in Russia, what did he do? Changed St. Petersburg to Leningrad, took down all the statues, right? Uh, it was, again, they turned churches into uh, museums of atheism. Uh, again, an intentional effort to cut ties with the past. Um, and then one more is Mao Zedong in China. And so what did he do? Uh, he, dis- he went through a cultural revolution. What's that? destroying Chinese culture, 5,000 years of it, destroying libraries and museums and artwork and so that they could have this uneducated mass of young people that they could brainwash into the People's Republic of China. I mean, they killed 80 million people that knew anything about the past, teachers, doctors, lawyers, anybody that wore glasses. They considered they were educated, they knew the past, let's kill them. Uh, Pol Pot did the same thing in Cambodia in the 1970s. Uh, anybody that... Uh, you know, had a, any education was killed. A third of the country was killed by this government. Why? Because they wanted to get rid of the past so they could bring the people into this new, you know, People's Republic type of thing. And so it's, uh, a, we look at it as, oh, there's statues of Confederate soldiers. Let's get rid of them. No, it's part of a larger agenda that's necessary to cut ties with the past before it can embrace a, uh, secular, atheistic, and in Europe's case, and probably in America's case, an Islamic future. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will be right back after a quick break. We are speaking with Bill Federer, a nationally known speaker and best-selling author of over 20 books highlighting America's heritage. Bill will be appearing in our area at the Union Towns Tea Party meeting on October 24th at 7 p.m. at the Upstairs Community Room located at Butternut Golf Course in Blairsville. You know, it brings up to mind the the verses in Exodus which say, and there arose in Egypt a pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Most historians will agree that's because a tribe from Africa, the Hyksos, took over the Egyptian, drove the pharaohs out, and when they became the new rulers in Egypt, they, of course, erase the history of the, the Hebrews, the people of, of, uh, of Joseph who had come and had been such an important part of Egyptian history before that was done. Another thing that you mentioned is by killing the educated, it makes it a lot easier for tyrants to take over if they don't have to deal with educated people. Educated people are people who think they can make logical conclusions from facts, and that's a pretty dangerous thing for a tyrant. He wants people who don't think so he can tell them what to think and they won't question it. Very good point. Um, I, in my book, Who is the King in America? 
I give the history of writing. And so writing was invented around 3300 BC. It was Sumerian cuneiform on clay tablets in the Mesopotamian Valley. Uh, they take a stick and poke it in clay and you make little markings. That was the beginning of writing, 3300 BC. And it was an accounting method for kings to keep track of everything they owned, how much is in the warehouse. You know? And so um, in, in China, they developed a way of writing with uh, knots and ropes and then an abacus with rods and beads. And in Samaria, it was little tokens and dishes. And they would, and then um, ultimately making markings in the tokens, like you tally, you do the lines, one, two, three, four, and then a line across for five. Uh, that was the beginning of writing. And uh, they had 1,500 uh, cuneiform characters, and it was just for kings to keep track of everything they owned, right? The first invention ever was the plow. The king was a tiller of the soil. And then, the you know, the secular histories talk about how Mankind transitioned from hunter-gatherers to agriculture. Once you had agriculture, you could grow crops and store crops, and then you want to keep track of the crops, right? And then you could wage wars because uh, you didn't have to do uh, hand-to-mouth every day. You could store it up, and then they would have to count it and keep track of it. And, and so kings claimed to own everything, and they wanted to keep track of it. And uh, in Egypt, they had 3,000 hieroglyphic characters. Only 1% of Egypt could read, and the writing was the scribes' secret knowledge. They uh, had to keep the hieroglyphs complicated on purpose as job security. They were needed to interpret all these complicated hieroglyphs. Uh, China had 10,000 characters, right? You, uh, the Yellow Emperor, um, and Bamboo Annal books. And, uh, and so when Moses comes down the mountain, he does not just have the law— that says everyone's equal, there's no king to butter up next to, right? The law is written in a 22-character alphabet, not 1,500 characters or 3,000 characters or 10,000, 22 characters. It's so easy to learn. Kids could learn it. No longer was writing the secret knowledge of this elite class. Everybody could read. And so we see Israel, around 1400 B.C., when they came out of Egypt, was the first instance in recorded history of a nation without a king. And the law says there's no respect of persons in judgment. There's no royal family to butter up next to. Right? So wherever there's a king, if you're friends with the king, you're more equal. If you're not friends with the king, you're less equal. If you're an enemy of the king, you're dead. It's called treason, or you're a slave. And so we see this experiment worked in Israel for 400 years until the priests stopped teaching the law. And then it says every man did what was right in their own eyes, turns into domestic chaos. And out of that chaos, uh, they got a king named Saul, who took away their best land and gave it to his favorites and so forth. And, um, and so we see that for a people to rule themselves without a king, they need to be educated and have morals. It's sort of a spectrum of power. One side's total government, the other side's no government. Total government, you get a king. No government is anarchy. No government unless the people have internal morals. But why would you follow? Why would you be educated and, and, and learn these morals, and why would you want to follow them? Israel had the key ingredient. There's a God who's watching everybody. He wants you to be fair, and he's going to hold you accountable in the future. So you're about to steal. You know you can get away with it. And then you think, God is watching me. He wants me to be fair. He's going to hold me accountable in the future. Maybe I should hesitate stealing. And it creates something in your head called a conscience. And so if everybody in the country believes this, you can maintain complete order with no police, maximum liberty. 
And But when you get rid of this God, all you have is rules. Why follow them? Some will, some won't. And those that won't are going to give in to their selfish lusts and passions and start robbing and stealing and smashing and having lawlessness and mobs in the street, setting buildings on fire. And in that chaos, people are going to say, well, we need someone to come in and restore order. And that's when they come in and they go house to house and collect everybody's guns. And yeah, they'll restore order. But when the dust settles, you'll have fundamentally transitioned yourself from the people ruling themselves from the bottom up to a dictator ruling from the top down. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything going to be all right this morning.